that'll be something coming up this year. <laughs> it's something we're working on. Cue us in with a little jam. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We got Brent here. If you guys are not familiar, Brent from the the bike pack and um, some of the other videos you've seen. And we are up here in the Missoula area doing a little bit of fishing. Montana, baby. Montana. <laughs> I'm coming out of like a five month, just five months of being buried in the editing room, catching up on all the big projects from last year and finally all caught up. And so we finally have been able to like start planning this year and actually getting into filming. So yeah. which is why we're here. Yeah, I think that's um, that's one thing that I never realized is how long each main episode takes to edit um i mean they range from what like three four weeks to almost two months just yeah, to edit one one film the like the sailboat series that definitely took probably two months yeah you know and that was two months of my time not counting bryant who did all the selects at the start mm -hmm. and that took him probably three weeks yeah to go so, through it's probably nice having the winter to catch up on all the footage you shot throughout the summer mm -hmm. and all the trips you took. It's, it's funny cause it's kind of worked out that way the last couple of years where it's just been heavy filming spring, summer, and then just go into this like editing grind as the winter kind of rolls in, yep. which is honestly ideal in the for scheduling because there's not a ton of winter fishing that I'm like that stoked about to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a good break from it all. Yeah. Um, we've obviously been doing a bunch of skiing. Yeah. Should we talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so you fish super hard all summer and you film all summer. You pile up all this, uh, all this footage. Do you ever get sick of fishing and want to take a break from it? All right. Before we get into the episode today, I did want to let you guys know that we just restocked three of our classic and most popular wildfly hats, including the wildfly snapback, the production trucker, and the five panel production hat that I'm wearing right here. These have all been unavailable for quite some time, and a lot of you have been asking, when are they going to be restocked? I want to get one, and today is the day. So if you're interested in picking one up or any other piece of wildfly gear for this upcoming fishing season, we are running an exclusive spring sale for all of you podcast listeners. From today until this Friday, the 21st, you can get 20% off your entire order when you use the code WILDFLYSPRING at checkout. Most of the gear available right now will not be restocked when it sells out, so make sure you get it while you can. Again, to get 20% off your entire order, just go to wild-fly.com shop and use the code WILDFLYSPRING at checkout. Thank you guys so much for supporting. This is literally how I'm able to put food on the table, pay for rent, and produce these films and podcasts for all of you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So you fish super hard all summer and you film all summer. You pile up all this, uh, all this footage. Do you ever get sick of fishing and want to take a break from it? Yeah. I mean, this year I dealt with some serious burnout. I'll be completely honest. I think after the sailboat series and after Alaska, just those were so intensive, mm -hmm. the the editing side, um, that I was I was just beat. And we did the film tour, which was really cool. The our our kind of private independent film tour showing the sailboat. But 
yeah, I was I was so beat going into the winter, and I had all I was overwhelmed because we kind of overshot, you know, with not having like, like I was doing so much of the editing, right, and pretty much all of the editing up until later in the fall. But yeah. anyways, yeah, I think it's it's been really good to have a break from fishing because I also am a huge skier. I love skiing it's like mm-hmm. more than almost anything in the world. It's like fly fishing, <laughs> skiing, and now mountain biking and bike packing. So it's it's really good to have to kind of be able to switch off the fishing mode for a little bit and just just be all in on the skiing, and that's like a fun thing. It's not where I'm not worried about filming it. It's just going out with the friends and having having a good time, and not worrying about the production, which is re- I think really good. Yeah, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but going into this year, I want to do a better job about that on the fishing side, so I don't get too burnt out. Yeah, like take days to fish without a camera. Totally. Yeah. Basically, it's because it's been so long, we're just going to do a little catch up, just kind of share what we've been up to the last couple months, and then give some, you know, a kind of a plan for what we have in store this year, as well as... A little teaser anyway. Just a little teaser. We're not going to give you everything. We can't We can't give everything. And then we've got some questions that you guys sent in on Instagram that we'll be answering there here at the end. Yep. Well, let's start with the catch-up. So we, we kind of covered that you've been spending all winter editing and getting getting last summer's footage into videos posted on YouTube. Something else happened on YouTube over the winter. That's right. We had a big lull after the sailboat series until releasing the Alaska video. And that went out. Um, and shortly after the Alaska video went out, we, uh, we hit 100,000 subscribers, which was crazy <laughs> so big shout out to everybody who's 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 been here before 100k and everyone who's helped kind of get to this point it it, it still doesn't feel real i look at the number i'm like what hundred thousand mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine having a hundred people in a room to watch one of my videos and so the fact that that many people have cared enough to watch a video and then decide to subscribe is is really really awesome yeah but yeah crazy i mean the stories you tell are they're awesome you (laughs) you get to go hang out with a bunch of cool guys on an epic fishing trip that most people can only dream of taking and you have a way to bring that into everyone's living room or onto their phone and let them ride along with you on the trip and it's uh it's really special it's it's why you've got so many subscribers and why people love your videos so much thanks dude yeah, I, I really it's it's cool because a hundred thousand is a big accomplishment. It's a big milestone, and I'm really proud that we've we've gotten there. But at the end of the day, it's just a number, and so you know it's one of those things where you're like, oh, when I hit a hundred thousand, I'm gonna be fulfilled, or I will feel differently. I felt no different. I have felt no different since. But it's even like this weekend bumping into some people on the river, and just anytime I bump into a fan or someone who's watched the videos who has either picked up fly fishing or just taken something from one of these videos and whether it's a huge change in their life or not, like that makes it feel like it's worth doing. Yeah. You know, all, all hearing that and seeing that someone who maybe didn't fly fish before was able to find one of our videos, which is like full circle on how I learned. Cause I was watching YouTube fly fishing videos and fly fishing films back in the day, which helped me get into it. And now it's like returning that favor and seeing it in real life is amazing. That's what I was going <laughs> to say is 
yeah, you can theorize about that and be like, oh yeah, my videos reach a bunch of people. Maybe someone started fly fishing because of it. We landed in Missoula or I landed in Missoula. We went to get a bite to eat. And the first person we met was like, oh my gosh, I started fly fishing because of your videos. And like, I've, you know, I don't hang out with you all that much, but, uh, I've seen it happen a handful of times. It's really like the proof is there. Um, it's impacting people, which is really, really cool. Growing the sport and, uh, getting people stoked. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the best part is even this weekend we talked about this. I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. Oh my gosh. I'm like, what? In the boat. (laughs) We're just tangling all the time. (laughs) (laughs) We got quite the film coming up for you guys. (laughs) We just shot. Bunch of shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. I think for a long time, there's always been this uh, pressure of, oh, you've got to catch all these fish. Or you've got to show on camera or in the film that like we have it figured out. And that even yesterday and this weekend, it still comes in the back of my head. I don't know if it's the ego or what, but it's got to be. It's such a, a misconception. And I think, who was it? The, it was probably the dude we met at Cafe Rio, mm-hmm. who you're talking about, who was like, yeah, I love that you guys just include you know when you guys are missing fish or this and that because i feel like that's where i'm at or something it's relatable totally yeah Yeah. i mean that doesn't matter how good you are at fishing you're gonna blow a cast you're gonna throw a tailing loop and you're gonna set the hook too soon (laughs) (laughs) like it's gonna happen (laughs) these all happen (laughs) and they all happen this weekend (laughs) give us a little give us a little recap brandon what we're what we've been doing up here last couple days and our mission our mission was to find the squala hatch and catch some fish on big foam dry flies and um it's the right ish time of year but this year's weather's been a little late and so i don't think the bugs are quite where we you know where you want them to be to hit the hatch in the middle of it there are squalas around and the fish are starting to look up but the weather's so up and down right now that you know we had one day where it was possible to catch fish on squalas the other days was like cold snowy overcast and um we didn't really have opportunity Mm -hmm. so you know we had we still had plenty of fun with it we got to catch fish on midges um dry fly midges and you know under a bobber and under a bobber we we had some fun with the bobber dude not that there's anything wrong with that not at all (laughs) (laughs) yep um but yeah it's uh that's the mission here we we were up here to catch a fish on a squala and tell a story about a really cool valley and and a river we've never fished before. And, um, you know, of course the story we're going to tell is one little micro story inside the whole community. But, um, Mm -hmm. it is, it is cool when you go on a trip to a new town and you're open to meeting other people on the river and like talking to them and being curious about their experiences, you get such a bigger picture of the whole community that's going on. Like we spent what, 45 minutes talking to someone that we met at the boat ramp and they drew connections to like five other people that we had heard connections about. And like, it kind of brings a better picture of the whole community together mm-hmm. instead of just like putting your head down, get your boat on the trailer and get out of there. Like not talking to anyone. Totally. Um, yeah. Even the guy we bumped into, I think his name was Chris, him and his son there at the end. Shout out to Chris. If you're listening <laughs> guy from New York and he was just, you know, he's been here for a couple years now and man, they were so dialed on the bid route. And the dude was so fun. Like, he was so stoked. Oh, my God. 50-year-old dude who was just fired up and all he was stoked about was fishing. And 
and drinking beer. Like he was, and he was awesome. We talked with them at the boat ramp for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I sometimes miss out on being in working at home, being alone in, you know, editing room, editing mm-hmm. land. Sometimes I don't, I kind of miss out on that like community aspect. Right. And don't always get to interact with other people in our, our world. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to go out and you just get a bump into people on the river like that, it's so special. Yeah. Whether yeah. they're, you know, they turn into friends or just passing. I yeah. Know. I mean, the, the community of fly fishing has so many similarities. It doesn't matter if you're in the keys or on a tiny Creek in Carolinas or on a big river in Montana. They're, everyone's kind of got the same, at least basis for what they're, what, they're stoked on yeah and uh it's like an auto auto thing to relate about and be friends with someone everyone's like kind of on the same page yeah in in a certain way but i mean we definitely got humbled on this trip for for example last year it's just so hard to predict conditions when you're planning around a trip like this coming from out of town you know you're not able to be in the Bitterroot valley for three, four weeks during spring to be like, oh, now the squall hatch is coming off. So we kind of plan yeah. this trip with these days. Like these are the, our days that we can go because mm-hmm. we have other stuff we're doing. Last year, it was at 12,000 CFS, the water, at this time of year. And when we were here, it was at 300. So it was like a little trickle, barely any floats that were navigable for boats. Yeah, we had to drag the boat down a couple, mm-hmm. couple sections. But I think we should dive into that with the questions. Yeah. Um, yeah because can. there's one in particular that is perfect for this. Totally. So let's we'll um, juice. let's hold off on that. Um, one thing we did want to cover, the little teaser. What trips do you have planned up for this year? Which ones are you excited about? Uh, yeah, what are you willing to share about what's coming this year? Yeah, I think... Um, just an overall theme maybe for this year. One of my goals, especially just being that we came off a bunch of big films, like all the films last year just ended up being big. You know, I think last year and years past I was making 15 to 20 minute videos and towards the end there, every video was 35 minutes to 54 minutes with the bike pack. These massive projects, these big films, which is really great. And I think one of the things is there's so much cool stuff that we we capture that it's sometimes hard to whittle stuff out. Right. So I, I do – I did feel like I spent so much time on each particular project that it wasn't allowing me to stay up to date with, like, the audience and be posting more consistently and kind of sharing where we're at. So I think one of the main goals this year – is having opportunity to shoot these videos like this, where it's just maybe a three day weekend, four day weekend, a little bit shorter stuff around the West. A lot of, I want to do a lot of trips around the West because last year I don't feel like I got to explore it as much being new and went to Alaska, did the, you know, the Caribbean Mm -hmm. sailboat trip, did these big trips, which were sick, but I really want to spend some more time kind of exploring what's within a, four to five hour radius of your new backyard. Yeah. My new home. Yeah. Really. And that's not to say that we're not going to do any big trips because we've got some stuff in the works. Yeah. Give us a little something, something. So unfortunately I hate to start it off on a a low note, but we did pull a permit and have a Smith river float planned a five day overnight float 
in April. Um, but we're actually coming up on it. And after talking with the guys, it looks like one, the, the, the river's frozen over just about <laughs> and the water's going to be really low. And then the week we would go, it's going to be 27 degrees every day as the high cloudy. That's a tough one. So five days of camping on the river and that when we don't even know if we can float, we yeah. kind of had to cancel that one. Pull so, the plug. Fingers crossed for 2024. Yep. We'll do that one. But there's a lesson right there is, you know, you can plan all you want to plan and have all the details and logistics planned out. But sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate. I mean, that's kind of been a theme through this trip. This, the trip that you had to cancel on the Smith River is an example of that. Like, not every trip works. So just a little something. Sometimes you got to take the take the swing and it doesn't yeah. work out. I'm thinking too now about the bike pack. You know, and thinking how lucky we got with weather. Oh my we didn't gosh. have a single raindrop except on the drive up. Yep. And that could have been completely different because I've been in that area when it rained and it's not fun. Oh man. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you're on your bike. Yeah. The trail could have been too muddy to ride. Yeah. So we got super lucky on the, on the weather there, but you got to put yourself out there to, to allow those experiences to happen and, and figure it out. Mm-hmm. If you always stay home and like over plan, over plan, over plan, you're never going to get out there to, to make a trip like that happen. Totally. So yeah, we had to, we had to take the, take the roll of the dice and, and make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, looking into this year, man, that's obviously two trips in a row that we've had, whether it be one cancel a trip and then two just make this one a little trickier. Mm-hmm. But looking into the spring, we've got hopefully something on the green mm-hmm. in in uh, Utah. That's a I got to fish that recently for the first time, and it was so cool. It's so crazy how red the rocks are and how many fish are in that river. So fifteen thousand fish per mile. Yeah. Just bottomless holes. Yeah. With so many you fish. You float over the whole day and you're like, oh, there's a 25, there's a 20. <laughs> so that we're really excited about. That'll have kind of a, a cool element to it. Um, with Maybe some camping. But we're really looking forward to the green. And then hoping to do a trip with one of my YouTuber friends. His name is Trent Palmer. He's a, a pilot. So we're going to try to do some fly-in deal with him he lives over in reno so somewhere over there i don't know yet where we're going are you guys going to use like real small airport landing strips or are you going to try and fly in and land in the bush yeah i think we're flying to the bush of some of these areas and there's just landing strips that we can land on nice and we'll just spend a couple days there fishing and fishing out of the plane fishing out (laughs) of the plane dude that'll be an epic one that's that's i'm definitely looking forward to that one um, hoping to find some salmon flies this year. We're going to really try to time it, but I think with the snow this year, we've gotten 760 plus inches of That's snow. 66 in, feet in Utah. Of snow. 66 feet or 63 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the skiing has been bonkers and it's, it's going to be really good for the rivers, but it's just going to make, I think runoff a little, a little late this year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you never know if it's going to heat up or and runoff happens in a week or, you know, if uh, if the weather treats us nice and makes it a nice gradual runoff. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Hopefully do some salmon flies. We'd like to get back on the bike. Should do another bike pack. 
we'll we'll talk about the 130 miles here in a little bit but Mm -hmm. that was incredible and i i love that that aspect so mixing that and hopefully even maybe mixing some spring skiing in i think we've got some some stuff in the works that would be kind of cool to mix the skiing fishing and biking together our three favorite things yeah (laughs) talk about a logistical nightmare yeah but that would be awesome if we can make it happen so that's gonna be that's gonna be epic um and then going into the summer you know it's gonna get busy and i I don't know what the editing schedule is gonna look like quite yet because i feel like i just want to spend so much time outside this summer and i can't be spending like two weeks in a row buried behind a screen right and i don't know what that looks like logistically yep for editing and and being consistent with putting videos out but it's just i i don't know it's too nice of a time in the summer to to to, sit behind a computer all summer yeah yeah i don't know know. we'll see might make sense to like just bite it off like a day or two at a time and try and get the workload chopped off a little Mm -hmm. bit but i do feel like it is good though and i've taken breaks like go mountain biking for a day or go fishing for a day skiing whatever it is and <clears throat> then you come back even if it's midweek come back refreshed it kind of mm-hmm. breaks your week up and you're ready to just crank yep that has always helped me totally that's kind of we, we had briefly talked about this beforehand but um you know the skiing all winter and not really fishing all that much is such a good recharge for the fishing stoke and it gets you brings back that passion that you just want to get out and get on the river all summer long. Whereas I feel like the years I've tried to fish all winter, like fish really hard all winter by midsummer, I'm like, okay, I could, uh, I could fish or I could not, doesn't matter. Mm. But if you take the winter off, then, um, get pretty fired up for summer fishing. Totally. And I've been editing summer fishing videos for all winter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every time I put one out, I'm like so stoked. <laughs> but so, I mean, we don't talk about this a ton, but you and I both obviously love mountain biking. I know you've been doing it a lot longer than I am, but we work in this industry and I feel like sometimes there's this feeling of, oh, we have to only be fishing all the time. But there's actually all these other things that we really enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely is because you end up talking to all these fishing guides or people that like only live and breathe fishing. And so you feel like the expectation is that is all I do. But, um, it's really nice to, it's not like I'm mountain biking more than I'm fishing, but it's nice to have, you know, a disconnect from what your quote job is and then get back in, back into the job world and, and fish I don't know. It's it's just like a mixture of uh, when your job aligns with your passion. You also need a little bit of to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And I th- feel like that's where biking falls in for me. Mm-hmm. And skiing too, because you're just totally stoked, yeah. <laughs> disconnected from from any. And they're just different types of sports too. It's very adrenaline, right? Um, driven. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> but you're still kind of seeking the same thing. It's like, what's around this next? trail mm-hmm. i want to I, I want to bike this new trail that i've heard about or i want to go ski this section of of the resort that i haven't been to right it's like the same thing as fishing yeah i want to see what's in that next river bend and yeah let's go check out these trees over here yeah <laughs> yeah totally uh two more trips 
or one more trip, are you going to be revisiting any destinations you've been to? Ooh, yes. It is confirmed. Well, not fully confirmed, but pretty closely <laughs> confirmed that we're going to be going back to Alaska in September. And first off, the Alaska video just blew up. The thing went nuts. <laughs> That's wild. We're sitting at just under a million views That's right wild. now. What? <laughs> yeah, you were just talking about being in a room with a hundred people watching your video and how like awesome and big that feels. There's been a million people, just about, that yeah. have watched that video. Man, shout out Bob! What a legend, <laughs> Doctor Bob. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Bob. Dr. Bob's stoked uh, to have us back. And you guys, it sounds like you guys booked some trips, and some of you guys are going to be go going to experience Alaska this year, which we're really excited for you guys who did yeah and um yeah it was just really cool to share that experience that was my first lodge experience and yeah how did that differ from the the diy trips that you're used to taking yeah it was it was a it was a lot different i mean the filming aspect was pretty similar but it takes out so much of the legwork of and the, the stress and pressure of where are we going or what are we doing or what are we going to be using? Yeah. Um, it's really nice to have local Intel and local guides who are teaching you about their area. And they're so laser focused on just a specific area. And Bob, who's been there for, you know, 20 plus years has been flying around the bush, exploring all these lakes. I mean, the guy just watching him operate the plane mm -hmm. was unbelievable. Just, it was so impressive. And him sharing his knowledge and like what he knows about the area, what he knows about the fish he knows exactly where the fish were like oh yeah it just it was completely different than um going out to a stream that you've never been to by yourself and oh, neither cuts. one's neither one's like better or not or worse it's just right. different yeah it's different like when you go out with a guide you just shortcut to knowing or having someone that knows the right technique the right time of year you know exactly what to do on this river but part of the fun of fishing too is figuring that out on your own. So when you like the first day we showed up here, we had no clue what was happening in, in this river. And so first we're like, Oh, let's nymph the bottom of the runs. It's winter. They should be in the bottom of the runs. And maybe we weren't deep enough, whatever, but we didn't find fish there. So we move up to the top of the run. We end up sticking a fish or two and mm -hmm. you go out with a guide. You pretty much, eliminate half of that they're just like no the fish are going to be up here here's what the bugs are are here to use and um it's just like shortcuts the learning mm -hmm. so much and you really get to dive down into the fine details instead of looking at the broader details when you go out onto a river on your own you have to start with the broad details yeah just with what you know and you kind of like dial it in from there yeah i think it's good to have a good mix right because if you're only fishing with a guide then you're maybe only gonna be able to fish when you go with a guide and you might sure. not be able to fish on your own. You might not know what to do, but if you're only fishing by yourself, you might be so stuck in your ways that you don't, maybe you're not as open to, to hearing. So like when you, when you do fish with a guide, like we did yesterday and we really got to learn from, from him and mm -hmm. from the other guys that we were with who fish this area like every day all year. And I think that can go a long way because people are fishing they're fishing in a different place, but they're fishing it differently than you might. Oh yeah. Back home. And you're going to pick up things that you might be able to just add to your toolbox. Yep. In the future. Yeah. The angling toolbox. Mm -hmm. It is funny how 
you know, you're in the front of the boat, you make a cast to the, the little seam that you think is perfect. And you're like, Oh, that's exactly where I want my cast. If, if it was up to me, then you cast and the guides like, no, you need to be like two feet over or Mm -hmm. fish the other side of the river. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not the type of water I thought the fish would be in. But it's that local Intel that shortcuts the learning curve. Cause Maybe eventually you'd have figured it out and moved to the other side of the river after you're not catching fish, but because they're also seeing other guides go down stuff, you know, all day too. So mm-hmm. they might be, you know, I've seen everybody going down this left channel. Why does no one check out the right channel? Okay, we're gonna go down the right channel this time, and then they find something there yeah. that works. Whereas if you just did what everyone else was doing on the river every single day, you might not pick up on those things. Exactly, time on the river. And on the same river, mm-hmm. like, I feel like we get a lot of time to bounce around and, you know, get a quick two, three, four day view of a river and then go to the next one. But it's so different when you spend months or weeks or years even on the same river. I have so much respect for people that do that because they're sacrificing, you know, not seeing other water to just hone in on this one fishery. Yeah. But if you think about it, it does change so much day to day. Mm hmm. And just season to season, like especially the bitterroot here, talking about runoff. And each year there's new channels made. And, you know, like the river where we were yesterday, he was like, yeah, this is completely different from last season. Right. Just the holes and like the way the river goes back and forth. It was really interesting. Yeah, the, the flow fluctuation was huge. I mean, there was like eight foot tall piles of rocks that are underwater at some point during the year. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, that's yeah. wild. And the big trees and driftwood that was on the, the gravel bars, that are usually underwater <laughs> yeah. that we were walking around. That was crazy. So wild. Was, like just getting to see it gutted. Mm-hmm. One thing, though, to wrap up the Alaska thing, I, uh, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the – and it's kind of been like the same this weekend, but coming back, you have the lodge, you have your cabin – you got your food, you got your space to kind of decompress. And I think some of the trips we've done, which are epic in their own mind, like the bike pack where you don't really get to relax as much. It's like you're relaxing in your, in your hammock at night, but having a cabin and a cozy place to come back to is really nice. Oh man. For that, especially for that setting. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the summertime, I'm all for camping and, and doing the, you know, cook over the campfire, sleep in a hammock, whatever dirt bag way you want to do it. But in the winter or if there's ever cold weather, having a warm cabin to come back to is like game changer for the chip. Yeah. Yeah. That's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we use a shower. (laughs) Get a little distracted. That's right. Oh man. Well, should we move on to questions? Yeah, let's do it. There's a little tease for you guys this year. We also uh, we'll get to it. Don't worry. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, okay. First question. What's the hardest part of filming while on these long fishing trips? Mm. But I feel like there's kind of two versions of that. There is the car camping or lodge. And then there's like the backcountry kind of bike pack. Right. So why don't you start with like a car trip or staying in a lodge? Yeah. I would say from a general standpoint, um, because fly fishing is something where you're, you're trying to capture these these moments, right? These like from nature, especially that you're trying to fool a fish and you're relying on nature to capture these these crazy things. 
that sometimes it takes so long to get that moment in like in our video this week. Yeah. We fish the entire day, boat ramp to boat ramp from eleven AM to like eight. six PM. I think oh, it was we, like, we put off at eight, yeah. Yeah, we took off at eight. And we caught one fish yep. the entire day, which was at the boat ramp. Yep. And we so, got one eat on got, camera. Right. So the fact that like that is so challenging and you have to you always have to be ready for that moment to happen. You know, because it's so easy when you do like something like fly fishing, it's something you're enjoying and you're also trying to capture that you're like, ah, I'll just fish for a little bit. Yep. And then you don't, then right when that happens, you don't capture the moment. You have to stay focused all day. Like, okay, head on the camera, focusing on the, like, say we're trying to get a shot of a fish eating a dry fly. Those shots can take like four or five hours to get of sitting in the back of the boat, like, just locked in on the fly watching it go every single drift mm-hmm. and then you have to be in rhythm with the the person who's casting so you know where the fly is going to land and like it takes a lot of focus and a lot of effort on like that in particular but one thing that's i think a lot of people like about wild fly and what's really special is capturing the the off moments mm. where you're just pulled over on the side of the river and joking around or you know whatever the non-epic shots are um how do you go about like what's the biggest challenge with those the biggest challenge i think is creating an atmosphere and an environment where the camera doesn't feel like it's there Mm -hmm. or it's on you know setting up a cooking scene or maybe it's as simple as us meeting up with somebody right i think those little moments are such key moments to capture and I always want to capture them, but you also don't want to, you know, make it awkward for the guy that you're meeting for the first time yep. on camera or, you know, make it super awkward in the cooking scene. I like to, I really like to capture stuff where it's not always the talking head about, hey, this is what we're doing. We're cooking this. We're fishing for this. We're doing that. But more so look for those moments when you're like, can I sneak in and just capture what's going on mm-hmm. and let that tell the story instead of always a talking point to move move yeah. it forward. So that's a very challenging thing because you don't, again, you don't know when those things are going to happen. Right. And like yesterday, I remember um, just filming, you know, everybody at uh, one of the times we stopped over on the boat and we were just like bantering back and forth, you guys in the, in the other boat. And that made for like a really funny scene. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, also I, I, as the cameraman in that situation, almost feel like a character in that scene, which is very different from traditional media where in traditional film, where you don't feel like that camera man is even there. Like right. you forget about him. Yeah. But in our videos, it's the cameraman's the character. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone standing behind the camera interacting in that scene. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a cool one. Uh, what about do quick well, on gear? Like, yeah. Like keeping challenges. batteries charged. How do you bring all the gear? Like, I mean, we, we had that issue trying to decide, do you bring the Pelican case or do you put it in a waterproof backpack? Do you shove your camera in your waders? Oh. Like that's another aspect of it. That was really, cha- that's still a challenge right now is figuring out our kind of our system of on a boat, especially like where's all the gear go and how can it be readily accessible instead of just throwing it in the backpack and then, pulling it out here and there when stuff happens 
and yeah. maybe you scratch your lens accidentally or yeah you know we only scratched a few filters this only weekend. A <laughs> <laughs> but i guess going back to challenging like a challenging aspect because that was a question right yeah what's what's the hardest part of filming while on these long trips yeah i think just like i said lining everything up and then having having the gear and everything ready with the right lens with the right settings when when things are happening and that's that is also a challenge is if you bring too many lenses like if we have too many options then you're almost overwhelmed because you're like oh i need to switch lenses to get this i need to switch lenses for this shot but a lot of times whatever you have on just run it you just run it yep you know if something's happening you don't have time to switch to your wide angle lens right or switch to the zoom lens to get you know Mm -hmm. so you have to just uh be able to adapt i think on the fly Mm -hmm. and be okay with the shot not being perfect all the time i think it's really relatable to fly fishing itself you know when you're prepping for a fishing trip forget filming you're going through your fly box you're making sure you have the right flies you're making sure you have the right size leader and tippet you're deciding do i bring a five weight or a six weight or you're making all these gear choices beforehand and then when you get into the field you're taking whatever you brought and making it work. And uh, some people are better at preparing than others, but it, it's super similar. It's like, okay, I brought San Juan worms and streamers. Well, I brought a 50 mil and a wide angle. Same type of deal. It's just, it does get crazy when you have a fishing pack that has all these fly and leader and rod and reel choices in it and a camera pack and trying to combine them in one because you're making fishing decisions as well right you're choosing fly leader rod reel whatever and then you're also having to choose the camera gear to use keep the batteries charged it's um (laughs) it's a lot of focus on on uh what should be like a fun fishing trip and they are fun but you do have to stay so much more locked in that might be even the most challenging part of it all is not only are you trying to go and have a fun experience and figure out a fishery, you're like also trying to capture that in a genuine way. You you don't want the camera to take away from the fun. Um, and then you're trying to, to piece the story together with, with all that. So yeah. you're always, I'm always thinking like, yes, about the fishing. Okay. What are we doing with the fishing that, you know, is, is working? What's not working? What should we switch? What are the conditions like right now? But then I'm also in the back of my head thinking, okay, where are we at in the story? Like what context maybe needs to be shared here? Mm -hmm. What footage do we need to capture? Um, Did I format my memory cards? Did I charge my batteries? Do I have the right lens or whatever? Are my settings right on the camera? It's like doubles or triples the amount of decisions you have to make. Totally. I think to wrap this, this one up, I think one of the biggest takeaways especially going into this year. And this is not only filming, but fishing related to is just simplify. You know, the, I think less is more is a big kind of, uh, motto going into the year with footage, with lenses, gear, everything, because I think the bike pack really showed both of us Mm -hmm. that you don't need a ton of gear to go have a good time. You don't need, we, we all brought one lens on that, on that trip. And, batteries and stuff so we were just constrained to that lens and that was like that's 
the project that I'm the most proud of up to yep. this point is that that trip and to think of how we did it with like the little gear that we had yeah and the flies like we each brought one fly box one fly box and one rod each that was the just going to bring it back to that too it's like you can make it work with not a lot of gear um you know sometimes there might be better you wish you had a different this or that but you can make it work mm-hmm. and uh, the bike pack was a good example of like just a good reframe like okay i don't maybe need 10 or 12 rods on each fishing <laughs> trip. Like, let's bring it back here. We, can, this we can trim back, yeah. Like, let's bring four four rods waiting just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Which we did, Which we did. maybe. <laughs> but moving on. <clears throat> uh, that, who, who asked that one? That was Keepin' Fly. I like the, I like the handle. All right, next question. Details on planning. What tools do you use? What type of people do you hit up for info? How? Dot, dot, dot. I have no idea, dude. I just, <laughs> hey, Brent, I want to go here. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. And it's something that I still don't feel like I'm the best at it. And, but it's, it's a really fun part of the process. And it kind of is that first part where it gets you really excited. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the, the most helpful resource that we've been using recently is, is Onyx. Totally. Especially coming up to a new place where you don't know where access is. You don't know where the public land versus the private land is. Mm-hmm. And you want to find rivers, maybe look at topo maps, yeah. um, be able to have also a, a map that we can make pins and make notes on each one. So yeah. when we're like planning out a float or we're planning out a wade trip, you know, you can make a pin and we can write notes like, oh, this looks like a pretty good wading spot if we go upstream. Yep. Maybe lunch here. But the other really cool thing was we were planning on doing a float on our own and mm-hmm. we didn't actually do that. But, um, with Onyx, you're able to make a line down the river basically, and it will show you the elevation change and the distance of that line. So you can kind of estimate how long this float's going to take. Oh man, it's really steep here. I wonder if there's rapids. Um, cause sometimes just from like the top down view on a map, you can't really tell how gnarly a rapid's going to be. Um, but if you know the elevation change, you get a little better idea of what's going to happen. So there's just a lot of good tools there. But the other aspect of that is like, okay, my budget maybe can get me anywhere in the U S how do I decide where to fish? You know, I draw a lot of inspiration from Instagram and YouTube things I see out there that I think look cool. Um, so I know I want to go fish squalas, for example, figure out where they are and then, call a local fly shop and start your intel there and see what info they'll give you. You know, when you get to town, they'll have the right bug recommendations for you. And like, they're the hub of every little fishing community. So it's a great place to start to like branch out into the community, make connections and, and get your research going. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, first place we stopped when we got into town. Yeah. We went to the fly shop, talked with, um, you know, the guy there and, it's so helpful, man. And I think it's, it's sometimes can be intimidating to go into a fly shop mm-hmm. and you feel like, no, I'm just going to figure this out on my own. Um, and I don't know, dude, this might be like all in my own head, but I've had this weird, uh, I guess since, you know, I put videos on YouTube and like people recognize me here and there, it's kind of weird. So sometimes I get this anxiety of like going into a fly shop, like, mm-hmm. like something's gonna, like, I don't know, something's gonna happen or just the anxiety that they might know who I am. And I have no idea. Oh, get out of here. You're going to blow up our spot or whatever. Yeah, which is so false 
and like that's never happened. But no. when I did go into the flash shop this week, it was so great mm-hmm. to have uh, the guy Mike. Just he was we talked for 35, 40 minutes just about fishing in the area and got some really good intel on what I thought was a good plan. Mm-hmm. Found out, oh no, you should probably be fishing this kind of water with the, these kind of bugs. Yep, and yeah, it's kind of a unique thing that's in the fly fishing industry yeah yeah you kind of have to like pry and and get your way and there's no rule like textbook for every fishery some of them there are um (laughs) cheeseman canyon there's books and books on it whatever right um but like other fisheries you gotta talk to the people that are there and the fly shop's a great place to start there you can go in and buy bugs whatever what do you Um, think though from for i don't know to go for people like going into a fly shop, mm-hmm. what is the best approach to do that? Cause you don't want to go in and pry all this information and then, right. You know, just be like, where do I go? Yeah. I want to take, where, I want to take your spots. It's a unique thing because especially for the destination fly shops. So, you know, the fly shops feed their family by selling gear, selling bugs, rods, reels, whatever. Um, so you don't want to go in and like take their information and then just bounce take it for free like my rule of thumb is i'm i'm at least gonna buy a handful of flies in exchange for some of that information um but the other part is like if you have the budget to book a guide trip book it through the shop it can shorten your learning curve get you a good experience on the water but that's that's the main thing is it it always feels a little a little crummy when you're in the shop you're the shop employee Someone comes in, digs all this information out of you, and then just bounces. So it's a little bit of feel there, give and take of like, okay, thank you for the information. I'll buy some bugs from you. And um, yeah, there's no no hard and fast rule there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you got to, I think you got to recognize that the people who are working at these fly shops have worked so hard to, to gather this intel and this, um, just this knowledge mm-hmm. of the area. You know, and so by no means do you like have to go buy anything from the shop, but I feel like it's it's a good way to go in and yeah, kind of say thanks for totally you know, all your time that you've spent finding these places. Could you share just a little bit of intel to maybe make my fishing trip a little bit better? Totally. And they're totally there for you. So. Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, I think the shops are like genuinely excited to see people excited about their fishery and like having that experience of figuring out their fishery. So they want to give you like clues, but they don't want to give you the whole thing. Um, you know, help people have a good experience in their, their hometown. Yeah. So super fun on that. He said, what do we use right to plan? What tools do you use? What type of people do you hit up? I would just say to close that one, the last thing that we've been using for a lot of project planning and trips is a, software called Milanote, mm-hmm. which I use to build out storyboards for editing and we build out projects on there a lot of times, but we've been using that for fishing trips now, mm-hmm. gathering information, making gear lists, doing research. We have, you know, different links of, Oh, we can go to this place. We go to this place. We have different pins that we pull from Onyx and we just throw that onto the Milanote board. Yep. And then we have our whole project scope that we can look at from a wide angle. Yeah. It's like a whiteboard for your computer and put sticky notes and links and, and everything else off of it. It's super, yeah. super handy. And it works really well with creative minds 
because um, it's so visual and interactive mm-hmm. compared to an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no <Yeah>. bueno. <laughs> hey, the Excel works for some people. For sure. But, but yeah. Anything else you can think of? I mean, tools, the biggest tool is writing stuff down. Like if you do some research, put it somewhere so you can go refer to that research. And, and we use Milanote for that. But, um, you know, I never trips with my friends growing up. I never like actually wrote stuff down and planned it. We all just kind of kept it in our heads and talked about it. And we were way less effective at making the trip happen because we never read it, wrote it down and like started putting it into action. So that would be, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is just start putting a plan together and every little detail you find, whether it's a picture on Instagram, you know, screenshot it and say, I want the trip to look like this, or this is what I have vision in my mind. How do we, as a friend group plan this out? So it takes a little starting point. Yeah. And then it all kind of snowballs on. Nice. Um, that kind of leads perfect. Biggest hurdle when it comes to deciding where to go, what to do to keep things unique. Great question. Man, it's, it's really challenging. I feel like, um, at this point, the trip has to get me really excited. Like mm-hmm. it's either got to be through a, a, a connection, like a personal connection, someone who has shared a, an, you know, an idea about a place or something that I do research on, but I really have to be fully in and excited about it. And I think that goes for anyone who's on board with that particular trip as mm-hmm. well, because if we're not, you're just, it's not going to come through in the video. Like I can't just go do a sun fishing video and act like I'm, so stoked to do a DIY sun fishing trip. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yep. It's just going to feel fake and feel like a skit. Yeah. Well, I think that is unique about, about where you're at as well is you have a lot of people reaching out saying, Hey, come fish here. want to show you this. And there's a, there's a ton of really cool places to go fish. But if you, like you're saying, if you're not stoked about it, it's not going to show through in the video. But I wonder if they're asking about, um, you know, for themselves and for someone that's not making a video. Well, even if you're not making a video and you have places in your area, you're still going to have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in a very unique position where we do have access to a lot of different people and a lot of different locations that we could just go to because of the nature of our business. Um, And I definitely don't like, I'm definitely so grateful that that Mm -hmm. is a possibility. I can't believe it. But even within your town, you're going to have all these different options, which can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming for us, too, on a big scale. Like, how do you decide on like, yeah, which one? Utah? I could fish the whole year and not get not hit the same stretch of a river twice. Yeah. So, I think it's like the group dynamic for me. Yeah. When I when I picture a fishing trip, I'm at least going with one friend, more than likely two or three. And um, if two of the people are like, yeah. I'll go do that one. It it totally changes the vibe of the trip. And even if you, you know, two out of the four people have a great experience, it's not the same as if everyone's having a good experience. So you kind of do want to balance, like look into your group and balance what everyone wants because just having that, um, that experience shared is more impactful than a, than an experience just by yourself. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a really fun way to make sure the stoke level is high on all the fishing trips. Yeah. We actually have made a 
Brent's been helping me out with some stuff this year from like logistics on some of these trips and just overall uh, brand stuff. But that's one of the things we made in one of our Excel sheets. When mm-hmm. We were going through different ideas. We're like Stoke rating. Yes. <laughs> and if it's not above you know an eight, we have to just cut it because yep. it's just not the right time. But yeah, I would say off of that point, surround yourself with people, run the ideas by your friends. Um, you know, some of the trips that we're doing this year, you're going to go on some of them. You're not going on, but still being able to run them by you. And you kind of ask, you oh, know, wh- what makes you excited about this trip? Right. Oh, this, this, and this, or dude, I don't think you're all in on this. It doesn't sound like, right. You know, just hearing that I'm like, you're right. It's a cool idea, but it's maybe not the best one. Yeah. Just have the open dialogue with your friends about mm-hmm. what's, uh, what makes you excited about the trip. Yeah. And, and you'll just really... go try stuff. Like you're, you're never going to hit it all. Yeah. So what's just, a, have you had a trip that didn't go as planned and you got there and you were like, oof, this isn't like, this isn't really what I'm stoked on. Ooh, good, good question. There was points this weekend where I was like, oof, what are we doing? We're like nymphing size 22s on six X in Montana. Totally. This isn't the experience I was thinking about. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was definitely one this weekend. Um, I don't know, but I think that comes with just managing your expectations. Totally. On a trip. Yeah. That is, if you're going in and you're like, oh, we're going to go fish this salmon fly hatch, and in your head you're thinking every freaking cast on the bank is going to be a 20-plus inch brown. Yeah. And if you go in with that expectation, if you catch two 20-inch browns, you're going to be disappointed. Right, yeah. But if you go in like, I've never fished a salmon fly hatch before. I'm going to go try it. You know, I heard it's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best. Yep. And just keep the expectations realistic. Yeah. And they're super fun to, uh, like along with the expectations is not put everything on the fishing itself. Mm. It's like, I was really interested in learning a little bit about the community up here and kind of peeking behind the curtain of what, uh, what the lifestyle is in a small town in Montana. And like, we got to talk to a handful of people that showed us what this lifestyle is like a little bit. And, it's fun to put your head in their shoes for a little bit and see what's going on. Yeah. So, and that's like totally not fishing related. So it doesn't matter if you caught no fish during the day, you can still enjoy learning a little bit about the area. I mean, dude, there was this pressure yesterday of us, you know, feeling like we had to catch a fish on a squala. And that's, we were like dry or die. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to catch a fish on a squala. That's where we're here. And I remember thinking, how are we going to have a video if we don't catch a squala? Right. Like, there's no way we're going to, we're going to have a whole day of floating. How embarrassing would that be to go a whole day with floating with the local, you know, and not catch a single fish. But at the end of the day, that's like, that that just just happens. happens. And like the reframe of that is, well, guess what? We got to make four or five new friends Yeah, and hear about their experiences and, and listen to what they get stoked about for fishing. And it provides new perspective for, for yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I think that pressure sometimes is always so ingrained. Like you get too fixated from a filming standpoint on the fish. Like we have to catch fish for this to film to work. But at the end of the day, that's not what it what it's about. And that's kind of goes back to what you're saying. We have to the film has to align with that as well. That mm-hmm. it's not just about the fish. Totally. So. Yep. Okay. Here's another one. How often do you prioritize getting out to fish in the winter? And is there anything you do in the winter months to help improve your fishing knowledge slash skills? We kind of touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I think a big part of the winter for me 
and part of the reason I moved out west too is for the skiing. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with skiing, and it makes me very happy. It gives me energy. It's a fun thing to do with my friends. It's like a social thing. Mm-hmm. So that is my main focus in the winter, and that and maybe saltwater fishing. Um, within Salt Lake, within you know an hour or so, there you can go fish the Provo, you can go fish the Weber, the Logan. Mm-hmm. I just haven't had a ton of interest in fishing this winter. Uh, and I think you and I talked about this for a while after a while back where I felt like I had some like guilt that I wasn't excited to go fishing, Yeah, you know, and I was only into skiing at that time, but flash forward a couple months, we're sitting here in Montana and we've been so stoked and the whole weekend we've just been talking about summer fishing. Yeah. So I think it's a really good time to, to take that break. Maybe there, maybe it's skiing. Maybe you're just into fly tying or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but having something else to take your mind off of it, um, and then get out when get out when you when you're excited to get out. You know, don't yep. force it. Yeah, I would I, I would know. say for the things to do to help improve your fishing knowledge or skills in the winter. If you're not stoked on actually fishing in the winter, call your buddies, have them over for movie night or whatever and plan a summer trip like start going through the actual logistics of how much are flights how far is the drive where can we stay start doing your research on a trip when the weather's better or on the other side of that if you have the itch to go fish in the winter uh you can learn a lot on the delicate side like the rivers are lower you can see what the fish are doing they're not acting the exact same as they do in the summer but You can see into their world a little more in the winter and things are a little slower paced. So it is a good time to go out and learn what the fish are doing and what the bottom of the river might look like. And so you you can do both sides of it. You can just put it off. I don't want to fish and be cold and plan out a trip or you can go get into their world. Maybe notice something that you wouldn't have noticed in high water in summer. So, Mm -hmm. And it's almost learning a different technique in the winter because the fish are acting different. You're not mm-hmm. going to be going out and just slapping dry flies on the bank. Right. You know, I think uh, for some reason, nymphing gets a bad rap sometimes. But totally. It can be, and we, we bag on nymphing all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it can be really fun in the winter when it gets techie like that. Mm-hmm. And you do have to pay more attention to your tippet, to your depth, yeah. to your actual bugs that you're using, and kind of dial it in. And it you're not going to be catching the amount of fish you might in the summer. Possibly. Possibly. Yep. There are days where you go out and you, in March, February, and there's a bluing hatch going off and it's better dry fly fishing than you've seen all summer. Right. Like that happens. Yep. Especially out West. Totally. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So I definitely haven't answer... like fully disregarded fly fishing, but <laughs> it's good to have a little break and then feel up for it. Yep. So to answer the first question, how often do you prioritize getting out and to fish in the winter months? Um, not much. And I would say in our unique instances, it's a time to recharge the fishing batteries because we fish pretty darn hard all summer. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, winter's time for us to recharge. The other things, how can you do, how can you improve over the winter is preparation, planning and experimentation go on the river and fish it in a different uh, water flow than you you used to. Cool. Also a big advocate of reading. So if you if you find a good fly fishing book, like The Optimist by David Coggins, I've read that one. 
really, really, it gets you, it's like stories about fly fishing that get you really excited. Yeah. And, and there's also like fly fishing books about specific states. Like Lord, I have one about Lords Utah. of the Fly. Lords of the Fly. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyways. There's a bunch of good for stuff. For all you book nerds out there. Yep. <laughs> get reading. <laughs> yep. Okay. What did you do? We're changing complete subjects here. Yeah. What did you do to grow your channel? Any tips for someone just starting out? I feel like you get asked this quite a bit. Man, there's so much to unpackage there. Uh, um, I would keep it pretty high level and not get into like the specifics of editing. I think it's more a theory. I would say the biggest thing has been I've always believed wholeheartedly in this. And even from the beginning, it was just my instinct and my gut of like, this is just a cool thing to do. I just like making a video out of a fishing trip that we went on. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can go back and watch that on our YouTube channel We're coming up on 10 years. But even when friends or family members or whoever, you know, people in the industry doubted it or were not into it at all. Like, Oh, this is dumb. This is silly. You make these silly fly fishing videos. You just kind of have to like, ignore that and if it feels right for you and it makes you excited then ultimately i think you're going to be that's like successful Mm -hmm. is if it makes you excited and you continue to improve upon your craft so i think there's a lot of years there early on from high school into even just the end of college where it just wasn't working but i just was so in belief that this is what i love to do Mm -hmm. i'm I'm absolutely stoked about this and i want to make this work no matter what yeah so I think being obsessed with it is how I've done that. Being obsessed with understanding storytelling, understanding. Um, yeah, but how did you learn to tell stories? Is that just something innate or did you, is this through practice or how did, how do you end up telling stories so well? Yeah, definitely some innate, but I think wa- watching, consuming a lot of movies mm-hmm. and consuming. With a, with a critical eye of like yeah. noticing what's going on, not just, yeah. And consuming, like I've gotten, I've taken a few online courses for you know like documentary filmmaking or different filmmaking specific mm-hmm. courses as well as the podcasts and the YouTube and everything that I consume now is is all pretty much for the most part all education focused around yep. the business of being a, a creator um, technique with filmmaking and editing and just how to improve as a person in general mm-hmm. especially when it comes to discipline um, right, because you're on your own. No one's telling you what to do. Exactly. Discipline's huge. Overcoming challenges. Making time for myself. Making time for stillness in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not over-consumed with, with stimulus. And I think those are a lot of the building blocks that have led me to, to where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had to if I had to look at it and summarize what you just said, my my three points would be, Start with a base of authenticity. Like, don't try and make your channel something that you're not. Yes. You're not going to be able to fake it for that long. So baseline of authenticity, practice, meaning make a lot of videos, post a lot of stuff. Make a lot of bad videos and put them out. Yep. Take the feedback. Build on that. Like, we were watching some of your old videos the other night and you were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I put that out there. But that's all you building your skill set and like, okay, well, I know I would have improved this way to make that shot better or make this, this cut better. Authenticity, practice, post them. 
and then then you deal with a little bit of the the discipline and making this more structured but it it all starts with that base of authenticity totally yeah you you got to be it's got to excite you i think you yes it's important to think about people sometimes get too fixated on the algorithm yeah should right? i focus on this topic because it's really hot right now totally it's gonna last like a month but the algorithm is just like beyond the the algorithm is just feeding people real people stuff that they might enjoy mm-hmm. like simply put that's what it is so i think you need to think about that there's real people on the other end and real people aren't going to get excited if you're just making stuff that's just trying to tailor to them like people are really excited about stuff that you're excited about you know i can watch i can watch someone on youtube who's maybe not who's maybe into cooking but he's so passionate about cooking and i'm not really much of a cook but when i watch him I'm like this is so cool to watch yeah, you can feel their energy or their passion through it. Yeah, so I think that's what I've focused, try to focus on is stuff that's really exciting to me. And yes, thinking about the audience. and But also, at the end of the day, it's got to come down to like your perspective on things and how you view the world through mm-hmm. your art. of being, If it's a YouTube channel, for example. And then just have fun. Like It's yeah. got to be fun at the end of the day. Yeah, you don't want to watch a copycat. Like people watch because you have your own unique perspective. And at the beginning, when you're just starting out, oh, you're going to doubt that people care about your perspective for sure. But they don't need to see another Mr. Beast or another Scotty. They you want to see some other journey. It's like Wildfly's been done before. Mr. Beast has been done before. Like make your own Wow, I can't believe you're putting me up with Mr. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> Got to yeah. do the top level and then the bottom level of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, the, just the bottom feeders, yeah. the whitefish of YouTube. Yeah, the wildfly, the whitefish, <laughs> suckers. Got them. Yeah, no, that's a good point though, and I think it's okay to to not so much copy, but definitely take inspiration from people to start. Like my biggest inspiration in filmmaking has been Casey Neistat, and mm-hmm. people have heard that on the podcast, but. I tried to make Casey Neistat type of videos, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. I was super into him. And then, but I also took inspiration from other people and eventually found this, like what you see today, which will continue to evolve based on my inspiration. But you, that's how you kind of find your unique voice Yeah, is through taking influence from others and trying to make stuff like them. And experimenting. And experimenting, yeah. Post the bad video. Post the bad video, dude. <laughs> yep. All right. What was your favorite fishing trip of last year? Oh, man. This is so hard because there was some really cool cool trips. But I, ha- I would have to say the bike pack. 130 miles. Yeah. So different from anything that I've done. Such a challenge physically, oh mentally. <laughs> but also such a fun overall a collaborative project with you and will yeah i mean dude we started playing that trip in february of last year so it's been like a full year now that we get to see the project and now mm-hmm. it's out in the world and people have loved it yeah it's fun watching how people comment on it and like I, we weren't sure if people were going to really enjoy the off-brand bike packing like outside of fly fishing and it seems like a lot of the audience did mm-hmm so that was really fun. Dude, but again, that was just something that we were compelled to do. We're like, we have to do this. This is such a cool idea that we yeah. want to do. 
maybe it's a little bit of risk if people are whether people are going to like it or not or if it's fully on brand mm-hmm. but i mean biking has turned into some of my one of my favorite things yeah and the element of bike packing i think you could see throughout the whole film that all three of us were just like so stoked and passionate mm-hmm. to be there and we talked about this earlier it's authentic and people can feel your passion probably going to be drawn to watch it right so and one of the things uh that i really tried to do with this edit one of the main because i'll start back will i went to to whitefish where will lives and he has a studio and we we collaborated on the editing part of this project and we like we used his studio and we were i was there for five days we uh had a table set up with post-it notes building out our storyline from start to finish and all the key moments that happened along the way. This was after the trip. This is after the trip. Yeah. yeah, this is back in December. And we also set up rules for the trip. So we, for example, this one, we, we decided to like have cussing involved. Like, yeah, there's just moments where I feel like it's just, it's worth not cutting out because yeah. it's it's more real. It made you feel like you're there. Yeah. And then we we're like, okay, here's how we're going to drive the story. We have this map animation that we made. Shout out to Bryant Patterson for making that. And then we had all these different rules that we established for the film. One of which was I didn't want to use voiceover at all throughout the film, minus the intro. Mm-hmm. So introduce the story, introduce what we're about to do. But after that, I mean, we were going through the footage and there's just so many awesome real moments that it was like a new way of storytelling for me in a way. Like not super new, but it was a challenge to say, how can I use the footage that we have to tell the story without relying on voiceover. Right. Cause a lot of times you'll use voiceover to get from one scene to the other. Cause we didn't get the clip of, or why of the transition yeah. or why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think you did a good job with that on the bike pack of just moving the story along without voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you, you, you realize that people are smart. Like people understand, mm-hmm. Oh, they're biking now. You don't have to say, all right, we just finished fishing. Now we're biking to our next campsite. Right. People understand where you're going. And maybe if they don't fully understand, like, that's okay. Yeah. You, you leave but it some... is a fine balance. Yeah. Because you don't want to just leave the viewer out of the story and make it super confusing. Yeah. But um, but, but that yeah. that's my perspective. I had loved that trip. How about you? What did you, what did you think was your favorite? A thousand percent. It was the bike pack. Yeah. That was, uh, I mean... Just go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. And it's like so pure of just what the trip was. There's not a ton of editing magic to change the story around. Like just you just happened. edit it in an authentic way. It was amazing. Yeah. Was there anything on that trip that uh, maybe you didn't expect or something about the trip that you were, yeah, you were just like, whoa, I didn't realize this was going to happen. Yeah. Or I didn't realize I needed this. Yeah. Um, the teamwork aspect of it or like, uh, the group mind, you know, most, uh, it's a long trip. So you, and it was challenging and you don't think about the mental highs and lows. And I think it was like day two or day three. I was just, my mind was gone. I was done. I didn't want to go any further. Didn't even want to fish one day. Yeah. And, uh, I could just lean on you and will, and you guys brought my, brought me back. (laughs) <laughs> and brought me back to good mental state of mind. And then I was stoked to be fishing that day. And same, I think like you went through a little lull and Will and I were there to help, help bring you up. And Will went through a little low and the, the group dynamic of it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the epic fishing and the epic biking, 
yeah. that was that was the most unique part, I think. And that like knowing that we did that and we were able to do that, where you and I both had never done a bike pack. <laughs> I had barely stepped I'd barely been on a bike <laughs> leading up to that trip. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah guys, let's bike hundred and thirty miles and y'all are like, All right, well down this rocky ridge line too. <laughs> yeah. So knowing I think that that was such a challenging thing that we were able to do, it's exciting because it's like, oh, well, what else are my limits yeah, no, that, I've, that I've set in place for myself? Yep. Yeah, it was good to push those and be like, wait a minute. We didn't have every last detail planned mm-hmm. and we still made it happen. Yes, we did a lot of planning, but when we were packing our bikes up the day before the trip, we had planned all the food, everything to what I thought was a T and I was freaking out like there's no way we're going to make this happen like okay we can we can go 50 miles and then turn around and we'll go back to the car like we're gonna whatever yeah like we don't have to finish the whole trip but then it was like wait a minute we can just solve this problem and take another step forward solve this problem take another step forward Mm -hmm. and then when you're done with it we're like oh yeah the trip was easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but i was like had it so spun up in my mind at the beginning i was like no way we're going to make it. Right. Not at all. Yeah, but that's what I think is so good about having other people around you to do something like this. Right. And just do anything in general. It just helps you get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And if you're doing it with other people, it just... Like, like build the right crew, though. Yeah. That have that good attitude. Because, mm-hmm. like, if we would have had, for example, the day I was mentally didn't want to fish, if we would have had one other person that was in the same mindset as me and down... That would have been two out of three. It would have outweighed the whole group dynamic and we could have crushed that day. Like that day could have been entirely ruined. Right. If just one of the, one of the legs of the tripod fell. Yeah. So it's so true. Yeah. We, I don't know if it was luck or your idea to bring that, those three people together, but it worked out really well having a strong crew. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that was such a good crew. And I, I think we're, Hoping to do another, I definitely want to do more bike packing, even if it's not filming this year, but we'll be working on something big in the next I year. I want to so. go to Argentina and do a bike pack yes. fishing trip. Argentina or British Columbia, or I've even heard there's cool bike packing up in like Michigan in the upper peninsula. I'm sure there is. And yeah. up these, like up the East coast of Vermont, New Could York. Could you imagine doing that through somewhere where you don't even speak the same language though? That would be sick dude. <laughs> next level <laughs> yeah if anyone if anyone out there works for a bike company <laughs> and yes. wants to work with us head us up <laughs> we want to go to argentina <laughs> we want let's make it happen <laughs> <laughs> and will i think will was stoked i think will was stoked on that one too mm-hmm. excuse me <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta get the burps out yep uh best experience you've had this year doesn't have to be fishing related we just talked about the bike pack, but this year, this kind of falls towards the end of last year, but one of the most, I don't know, fulfilling things was hiring my mom on full time as a salary employee, our first ever salary employee. And I remember like two years ago when I was uh, talking with her and she was just com- kind of complaining and about her. And she's not one who complains. Like she's so tough and positive, but she's just talking about her job, her current job at the time, being a teacher and a coach. And she just wasn't loving where she was. And I was like, mom, just 
like you should just leave like i i would love to hire you there's all these things you can help me out with the merch fulfillment Mm -hmm. and we had this conversation just super casually in the kitchen and she brought it up recently she's like i can't believe that it just clicked then and i just quit my job and she she was able to make it work for a little bit with working some other side jobs and then working for me and Mm -hmm. then this year i fully was able to commit to paying her a salary so that feels like so good to me um to now be one spending more time with my mom and being able to talk on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. but just the fact that i was able to help like now she's making more than her old job which is crazy yeah you know and that's all from just this little idea of having a making all thanks to everyone here too thanks to everyone here yeah making fishing videos like who would have thought yeah that could happen Yep. And hopefully I, we grow the team more and more, but I don't know. That was really cool for me. Totally. I do want to emphasize most people, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, you just run around and video on these epic fishing trips and then somehow a video appears out of it. You sit in the editing room for months putting these videos out. Like you're earning it a hundred percent. So I just want to reemphasize that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it feels really good to, to, to earn it. I think. Yeah. Instead of, I think for a long time you try to look at these gimmicks of how do I get big on social media? How I, how do I get more likes? How do I get more followers? But at the end of the day, when you just really put your head down and put your whole heart into a, your craft mm-hmm. and expressing that through a, a medium like filmmaking and you see yourself improve over time, you know, disregard the numbers or anything. That is the coolest part. Yep. And I hope to continue to do that, you know, for yeah. as many years as I can. <laughs> I love watching your videos just keep getting better and better. Yeah. So, super fun. Speaking of big videos, will the short bus ride again? Oh, the infamous question about the short bus. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time you saw a short bus was last year. And it was a winter edition. We did it. We took it around Utah and Idaho. It was um, more of a low-key trip. But, you know, I, that was right after I moved to Utah. And then we did the big sailboat trip, which was kind of, it was with the short bus crew. Mm-hmm. And that was like the short bus diaries of the summer. And, you know, after that, I think kind of what's happened is, you know, Adam and Steve are full-fledged doing stuff for Blue Line Bryant's super busy doing his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a freelance filmmaker. And I had a lot to do with Wildfly. And like not only catching up on edits, but just a lot of the, the business stuff and like the yeah. higher level that well, doesn't I, get seen. Yeah. The the thing that doesn't get seen is your pay is not guaranteed. Right. Like you're trying right now to build a at least some base of consistency so you know you can pay your rent every month. Right. Or, I mean, I'm speaking for you, but kind of feels that way listening totally and i i have paid myself so little over the last couple years so that i can do this you know and like keep investing into it Mm -hmm. and be able to have budget to go put this shoot together or buy these pieces of gear and you know and sacrifice kind of like paying myself which i don't need right now Mm -hmm. but um one of the biggest challenges for me is is the with within the business is like creating that foundation and creating these these processes and structure of the company that we can bring team members in. Yeah. You've been helping, you know, come on board in the last couple months and this is one of the main things you're helping with is to establish that 
that consistency and that structure. Yeah. Like, how does the business actually make money and function? As <laughs> is it going to be able to make money year be, after year? Yeah. <laughs> are we going to be able to hire this person to help out? So those have been really challenging. And I think I really needed to take kind of a step away from the short bus stuff to like really focus in on, on that and get yeah. the foundation set up before we just jump into the next short bus right. trip. Yeah. Cause the short bus trips are the most time intensive filming, planning, editing, all of the above. Mm-hmm. So it's, a uh, it's crazy to see how much work goes into putting on a short bus. I mean, not just from your front, from, Everybody. you know, Adam and Steve and Brian, all being parts of the wheel, getting that bus going down the road and making a fun trip. And so. the, just the logistics of it, there's a much higher lift mm-hmm. with that video because I don't have like my license to drive the bus or right? like, I don't, I can't just go take the bus out and yep. you know, Adam and Steve do, but the, there's just a lot more, ch- a lot more challenges when it comes to those trips. Cause there's a lot more things that need to happen. Yep. And on top of that, we're all in different parts of the country. Yeah. Adam and I are both in Salt Lake he's doing his thing with blue lines and with Steve, mm-hmm. Steve's still working a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Like it's very hard to make stuff line up um, when they're also doing separate stuff for blue line. Yep. So I think, I think we do want to have the short bus come back at some point. We just don't know when it's kind of the, to be determined, to be determined. Yep. And I think a lot of people and a lot of, I think all the short bus guys would love to see it come back in some way, shape or form. But, um, Seems like a pause for now until everyone gets a little more stable and mm-hmm. then builds a way back up to to be able to put on a crazy trip like that. Yeah, and I think it happened so fast. The first short bus we put out, you know, in 2020, we had 20,000 subscribers. And since then, the channel's now at over 120, mm-hmm. right? So 100,000 more subscribers, that much larger in just three years. Yeah. So, you know, it started as like this just for fun thing with your buddies, like this stupid idea. Let's just, whatever. This would be kind of, kind of funny. And then when, when it turns real and like, there's, there's people's time involved, people, you know, money involved. Yeah. And like there's, there's obligations, obligations. It's, it's a very tricky thing to balance with your friends. And so I think we're just working through some of that. And, um, we've always prioritized our personal relationship yep. at the end of the day. So yes, the short answer is, we would like to make it happen. We just, time is TBD. Figuring out how. Yeah. Totally. Uh, another question. A video slash short film about the history and mission of Wildfly would be awesome. Got a quick comment on that? Yeah. So this this year is actually going to be, in August, is the 10-year anniversary of Wildfly. And this is just when I made the YouTube channel. It's mm-hmm. not when like the business was established, but... Uh, I've got something special planned with my cousins who, if you have been following for a long, long time, I'm sure you've seen them or heard of them. They, uh, my cousins and my uncle are who I got into fly fishing with. And the first ever wildfly videos, you see them in those, in those. And so I, for Christmas, surprised them with plane tickets out West and have they been out west to fish before? So they've all kind of they've all been out west. We've all been out west separately, but growing up, it was like in the East Coast. We would watch Montana films and Idaho films, and we were just drooling over making a big Western road like trip together. Mm-hmm. And we never got to do it fully together as as the the, as crew. the crew. Yep. And so we're gonna go out this year, and 
we've got some plans set up for that to have them out and just really get to have that weekend that we've always talked about. And I'm sure you'll add some aspects of the history and, mm-hmm. and the why of Wildfly. Yeah, Very but cool. I think long term, I do want to make like a big documentary on some of the history to my family lineage with fly fishing. Like my my great grandfather owned a fly shop in Vermont, you mm-hmm. know, way way back in the '60s. And there's just I think there's a lot of cool lineage there to to dive into, which goes deeper than just what people have seen. Yeah, another fun story to tell. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. One final question. New merch? New merch? (laughs) What's the deal with merch? (laughs) First off, we do have a couple new hats. Or these aren't new. These are just... uh, Restocked. These are, yeah, they're classics that we've had, but we haven't had them in stock for so long. So we've got production hats back in stock you guys can check out. But this summer, we have our big summer merch drop coming. And there's going to be a little contest type of deal for one lucky subscriber to join us on our Alaska trip. Just casually drop that in. Yeah. Just, we'll just, we'll just keep it at that. So you guys keep an eye out. Um, maybe you're going to be the lucky one, but we're hoping to bring somebody to, to Alaska with us. But yeah, new merch is in the works. Um, this past fall, we decided not to do like a fall line. And it was one of those decisions where that's just what I've been doing. I see other merch companies and other, apparel companies Mm -hmm. follow their seasonal structure and i'm always like okay i gotta keep up with that we're not a merch apparel company at heart like that is a an element of our business Mm -hmm. but the priority is the films and the the craft and like the experience of watching wildfire video and with all the videos that we had filmed that had backlogged i just had to make the decision of i can't do that right now we i have to focus on the videos and get caught up yeah and that's what we did and the channel has grown tremendously since. And it, I think it shows, like, if I can really prioritize and then now bring team members on who can mm-hmm. focus on that one element of the business, that we can we can do really well in that one thing, like the production or the, the YouTube yep. films. So we haven't released a new line in a while. So I'm really excited for this one to come out. And, yeah, we're actually about to go. I'm going to show... Brent some of the new designs here after we get off and uh, yeah got some really cool stuff get them planned out for this summer that's right awesome that was a fun talk Scotty yeah definitely and we have we also have uh, some collaborations coming this this year one one in particular I'm really excited about that is with my personal like favorite YouTube channel and favorite yeah two of my favorite people so I'm gonna leave it at that you guys keep keep an eye out I think you some of you might know who I'm talking about but that's going to be a really special project. So we're really looking forward to that. But dude, this has been fun. Just kind of catching up mm-hmm. in terms of the podcast guys. We we're, we're working on trying to get this, this kind of format more consistent because we really do enjoy doing it. Um, but with, you know, just with the, mm-hmm. all the editing and everything that's been happening in the last couple months, we've it's kind of fallen on the back burner. So yeah. we're trying. I think, I think the end goal is to have a podcast to follow up every video about the trip or whatever, whatever the video is. And then we're working on getting someone from each of the sponsor companies or some product that we think was instrumental in our success on the trip mm-hmm. um, to do like a deep dive and give give some behind the scenes of 
product info that just helps our trips, not just from our expertise, but from someone that knows the product maybe a little better than we do. Totally. And just interesting people, you know, that we yeah. want to talk to in the, in the, Hear the story world of here. the brands and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like how to use Onyx. Yeah. To, cause oh, man. they know way more than we do. <laughs> when we were jumping on with Steve and he's showing us how he uses Onyx, I was like, I'm using like 1% of this app. Right. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys are in the deep end here and you are in the last half of this <laughs> podcast and you've made it and you're on YouTube or something, Go leave us a comment. We would love to hear just topics that you would like us to cover, people that you'd like us to, to have on. Um, you know, this I think the podcast is a time to to dive a little deeper into some of the stuff that maybe doesn't get covered in a film that's more of a documenting of the experience, mm-hmm. but share some of the ins and outs of like how we plan a trip, what gear are we using, why. And so, yeah, if you guys have any questions, drop them below. Radical. All right, bro. Good stuff. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you in the next one.